0: Since the first weekend in November, we've been doing the series called November Rain. And it has been absolutely powerful. Just this week, I had coffee with a bunch of different people uh, that called Downpour Home and just been sharing. I I actually had coffee with one individual who said, in 15 years, this month has been the best month in the life of our marriage. How many of you think that's pretty cool? And, And I just want to encourage you. Maybe you've experienced some level of breakthrough, but God's not done yet are you with me God's not done yet and and I just believe that God's going to do something powerful God's going to do something incredible God's going to do something amazing the title of my message this morning is drunk on donuts (laughs) drunk on donuts hashtag the spirit of lust that's the kind of response i expected but anyways i think god's going to do something incredible if you haven't been a part of this series can i encourage you to be watching online we air our services every week uh on a wednesday night uh sorry on a tuesday night or a wednesday night on youtube and i'd love for you to tune in week one we studied we looked at this term uh called freedom because how many of you know that god actually wants us to experience freedom so badly he really really does and, and uh, we looked at this term demon-possessed and we identified that demon possession is not so much uh, things occupying our space but rather we being under the influence. And we spoke about how even we can be found in Jesus but yet be under the influence of strongholds and situations and I think all of us in this room said, hey, I think there are areas in my life where I'm under the influence. And week two, we looked at how even as Christians, because sometimes we can have this illusion that just because Jesus saved us that we've been completely set free. But there are areas in our lives that are still, there are layers of freedom that God has for us. And so week two, we looked at our perspective because a lot of times we look at deliverance as this private, weird surgery that needs to happen in a back room somewhere that you can ask nobody prayer request for. But we saw that Jesus saw deliverance as the children's bread. And we gave an invitation for us to say, hey, if you are a child of God, you've been invited to the table to eat off your freedom. Week three, we had Pastor Shane, my pastor, come and share an incredible message called While on the Way. How many of you think that was a powerful message? See, the reason why we are believing for breakthrough and the reason why we're believing for freedom is because God has us here on purpose. He's not just saved us, but He is also called us. And and today I'm probably gonna pray. I'm probably gonna preach one of the most uh, important message of the series. And uh, there's a reason why I have a prop on the stage because that's how that's how that's how far as sweet this message is gonna get. Uh, this is sort of the uphill moment right now. Uh, this is gonna be a sobering message. I'm gonna talk about the spirit of lust. And those of you that have been around me, uh, people on my staff, people on my team, you know that I've been pretty open in this area where it's not just some of us that struggle with this it's also myself I have come under oppression under the spirit of of loss in times in my life and so this is gonna be a very open sobering transparent message and there will be moments that will not be comfortable there'll be moments that will be a bit awkward but I believe if I'm able to save people if I'm able to save some marriages if I'm able to save some lives I think it's worth dedicating a Sunday to talk about this What I'm going to do is I'm going to read, uh, we're going to pray in a minute so that Justin can uh, get off and take notes and thank you so much for what you do. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move in such a powerful way in this service that, that I pray that every eyes would be open, every heart would be open. I take authority, I take control, I declare in the name of Jesus that none of us would feel like we are a spectator, but rather that we would be an engager that we will be listening and our hearts will be open. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to all of us, that you would convict all of us of areas in our life where we have strongholds, that we need you to come and do only what you can do. I pray that we will be open. I pray that this will be the happiest message we've ever heard in Jesus' name, amen. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna read from a book in the Bible, uh, literally the whole chapter, uh, from the book of Proverbs. And what we're gonna see is we're gonna actually see The nature and the attributes of the spirit of lust is going to be quite eye-opening. It's literally going to be in story form. But as you read the story, the story will speak for itself. I'm going to read from Proverbs chapter 7 verse 1. It says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. So this is Solomon who's writing. He's speaking instruction, not just to a son. He's speaking instructions to a generation of people. He, when he says my son, he's also, he's also meaning my daughter. Uh, so this is all inclusive. And he's saying to us that we've got to abide in God's laws. We've got to abide in his ways. And he says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then it says in verse 4, say to wisdom, you are my sister. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. I want you to keep that in your mind. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. It's interesting how the Bible constantly associates wisdom as feminine. It's almost like the Bible is telling us men who are married to listen to our spouses. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. That they, who is they? He's talking about wisdom and understanding. That they, wisdom and understanding, may keep you From the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Now, I want to break that word, the immoral woman. I want you to understand that when Solomon is saying this, he's actually not talking about the immoral woman. He's talking about the nature of a certain spirit. Are you with me? If you're a man in this room, you need wisdom. If you're a a woman in this room, you you need wisdom. It's not just women that need wisdom. It's also men that need wisdom. In the same way, if you're a man in this room, you can come under the oppression of the spirit of lust. And if you're a woman, you can also come under the oppression of the spirit of lust. Are you with me? It's funny how the Bible associates the spirit of wisdom as feminine and the spirit of lust as feminine. But it's not categorizing a certain gender, a certain group, but it's just trying to help us understand certain elements. The immoral woman is not referenced to woman, but it's speaking about the spirit uh, and so we got to understand this, that it's not just categorizing men being attacked or women being attacked. If we need wisdom, we got to understand that we also can fall under the spirit. Verse 6, it says, for at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. They say that Solomon actually saw this unfolding and then he began to write this, the operation of the spirit of lust when he was looking through his palace. Verse 7, it says, and they saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths. A young man devoid of understanding passing along the street near her corner. I want you to understand that Solomon is not putting down young people. But young, younger people have a bigger drive in this area. But the reality is we live in a day and age where everybody wants to be young. They say 55 is the new 35. And so I think if I were to say, is anybody young in this room? Every hand would go up. So that, that involves all of us, all right? So sometimes we can categorize scripture as this talking to that. But if you are young, if you are a teenager, if you're a young adult, there is a higher possibility that this spirit will be revolving in your life. And I would rather you let go and be delivered from the stronghold. So at 65, you're not that person still carrying baggages that you never dealt with when you were 15. And so we got to understand this. And he's saying... Uh, you know, he's saying this, it says a young man devoid of understanding. One of the things the spirit of lust does is it removes our understanding. It removes sound wisdom. It removes counsel. It removes what God has put it. And then it says, and he took the path to her house. The spirit of lust is quite interesting. The spirit of lust will lead you at the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, It's amazing. Uh, As a pastor now, I've been in sessions with individuals, not just here, but around the world. And it's amazing when I start hearing this story. The best way to explain this is when we planted our church. When we planted Downport Church, uh, we were not sure if God was necessarily calling us to plant this church. But along the way, there were some signs that happened. So uh, I received a phone call from a pastor. Uh, I received another phone call from, I mean, I called another pastor, asked for a confirmation. I had another individual tell me, hey, you know like you know this is we want to be a part of this I remember one of the biggest signs was when I had one of the members of parliament in a in an empty cafe come and sit right next to me and I started talking about Jesus to him and he said we need a church in this area that was one of the biggest so when when you are being it's what you call spirit-led are you with me if you've ever had those spirit-led moments it's like you go to that place you're not expecting to meet that person it's just one thing leads to another it's interesting there's another spirit that is also spirit-led the spirit of lust it's amazing how the Spirit operates. And, and if you are not, as the Bible calls it, if you are devoid of understanding, you will even see those as signs from God. Wow. Like, she, I was thinking of her. She texted me. I ran into her. She spoke to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it almost looked like signs from God. This Spirit has a very manipulated way of dealing with us. And almost leading us on, almost like the Holy Spirit. The spirit of lust will take a hold of you that you will begin a plan when, how, where. Check out in verse 9, it says, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. I like how Solomon is so descriptive about when it happens. I think there's a reason why he's saying it. It's because he's describing evening. He's saying it's black. He's saying it's dark because the spirit of lust always tells us no one can see it. No one's going to see it. Nobody knows. This is just my thing. This is my thing. This is, just, this is how I need to feed myself. That's what it lies. Verse 10, it says, And there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Now, I'm not trying to be judgmental. And I'm really saying this with an open and humble heart. And I obviously cannot address how anybody dresses, but I do want to say, to ladies that when you dress in a way that accentuates your body it does not help a man who's already struggling in this area and I will leave it at that I'm just letting the scripture speak for itself the attire of a harlot it says in verse 11 she was loud and rebellious let me tell you something about the spirit of lust the spirit of lust is not timid the spirit of lust is not t- it's not shy the spirit of lust is loud you know we live in a society where the spirit of lust is loud You're you're browsing the internet to do research for your assignment and it's just, this loud thing just pops up. You're watching something that's got nothing to do with anything, this loud thing. The spirit of lust in our culture is loud and rebellious. It, it has no respect of boundaries, it has no respect of your time, it has no respect of your personal space, it'll just come and erupt. She is loud and rebellious, she is not hidden, it's, she's in your phone, she is anywhere and in any space you find her. It says her feet would not stay at home at times she was outside, at times in the open square lurking at every corner. This is how the Spirit operates. And then verse 13, we have another clue. This is how the spirit of lust operates. So she caught him and kissed him. With an impudent face, she said to him. See, the thing about the spirit of lust is she, this, this spirit does whatever this spirit needs to do, but there will always be a moment when you're under the spirit of lust where I call the shock factor. Are you with me? The shock factor is like you're going in this way and then suddenly you get a text that you probably shouldn't have received. Suddenly you get a picture that probably you shouldn't have seen. It's like there's a shock factor, a touch, a joke, a text, a look, a kiss. It can be something as shocking as that. And can I see it? when you get shocked, that is your opportunity to turn and run. When the shock happens, it's not too late. A lot of times when the shock happens, you go, it's too late like I can't go anywhere. No, that is your moment. Let me tell you someone in scripture that had the shock moment. It was when a lady whose name we do not know, but the Bible calls her as the wife of Potiphar, who gets a hold of Joseph one day, almost tearing his clothes apart, says, come and sleep with me. And Joseph could have gone, it's too late. My my jersey has been stretched. And number 23 looks like 204. Might as well get into bed with her. No, Joseph ran. When you hit the shock factor, run. You know when it's dangerous? It's when you're not shocked anymore. It's when you're not shocked anymore. I think the next bit is my favorite bit because I think a lot of us think this has got to do with non Christians. Check out what it says in verse 14 I have peace offerings with me. Today I've paid my vows. So I've come out to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I want to read verse 14. I have, I have peace offerings with me. Do you know what she's saying? I've been to church. I've paid my tithes. I'm good with God. It's interesting. She says, I have paid my vows. But then you know what she says? I have peace offerings with me. You know what she's saying? Once we're done, we'll pray. Grace has got our back. I mean, we laugh at this, but we have walked in this, like we know, like God, His grace is so sufficient that we will do what we need to do, knowing that God is merciful and knowing that His grace is endless. And can I say, this spirit is rampant in the church as much as it is in the world. This spirit is rampant in the pews as much as it is on the pulpit. And I think, as God's people, we've got to do something about it. And I think before we point the finger at anybody, I think we've got to point. I'm pointing the finger at myself, and I'm saying, God, you need to do what you need to do because sometimes we can theologically try and explain. One of the, I remember I was talking to, I was speaking to a person. Uh, Somewhere, He's, the beautiful part about planning, uh, having a church in two different continents is you don't know where, what I'm talking about. So I was talking to a church, I was talking to a person of our church, maybe here, maybe overseas. And, 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 the, and the big, one. as we were talking and they were in the wrong place and they said, I, we pray together. We share scriptures together. And I, that, that is the biggest deception. When you try to, I'm always careful about women that act over spiritual around me. Because that's sometimes one of the biggest avenues that the devil will use to try and lure you in into the avenues that he has for you. Verse 16, I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with my alloys and cinnamon. There's always preparation involved when it comes to the spirit of lust. There's a routine. That time of the day, that time of the night, that certain browser, that certain text... That certain app, that certain road, there are routines and rhythm that comes with the spirit of lust. Verse 18, it says, come let us take our fill. This is interesting. Come let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. The world calls the spirit of lust making love. Making love is not a one night stand. Making love is spending 40 years with the same person. And I think the world has just sold this concept to us of it's hot and steamy, it's going to be awesome, you're missing out. Can I say at the end of it, it's not going to look good. Check out verse 19, she says, this is the spirit of lust saying, For my husband is not at home, he has gone on a long journey, he has taken a bag of money with him, and will come home on the appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Let me tell you, one of the biggest things the spirit of lust will tell you and will tell me is you will not get caught. You will be the first person in history that will not be caught. You are so smart. Every other person that got caught... They were not as smart as you. You will be the first person. Nobody will, no, no, you will not be finer. You are so strategic. I mean, if you were, you could work for the AFP. You could work for the FBI. But praise God, you are here, you know. And, and, and this spirit will lie to you and tell you, you will not be caught. Verse 22, immediately he went after her as an ox goes into the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. And this is the part I want to get to. He did not know that the spirit of lust would cost his life. Theologians say that Solomon's palace was a highly elevated palace. And what this man did not know was that Solomon had a view of the whole city. And he thought because it was dark in the night, nobody would know that he had an affair. But the penalty of doing this is death. And theologians say that Solomon called for this man and had him killed. Maybe you're hearing saying, I, I don't think I'll be caught. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Do you, do you, like, let's say you, it's not uncovered. Let's say our family does not know about it. Let's say nobody knows about what we're going through. But do you think God does not see? Just like Solomon saw this man, can I say there is a God who sees our lives and he knows what we're going through. And, and, and check out what it says in verse 24. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart aside to her do not stray into her path for she has this is the part I want to get to for she has cast down many wounded and this is a powerful one and all who were slain by her were strong men the spirit of lust is attracted to strong men now I know one thing about men every man considers them to be strong this spirit is attracted to leaders to politicians to pastors to businessmen, to entrepreneurs. This this spirit attaches itself to power. Are you with me? And I believe that I pastor a church not full of strong men and women. And, and can I say, I believe every person in this room is strong, but can I say to you, when you are strong, this spirit has an advantage. This spirit is advancing towards who we are. Check out what it says, verse 27. It says, her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Let me tell you, the Bible is very clear. I know this this part is going to be... Pretty. I mean, this whole message is pretty intense, so might as well just brace ourselves. But the Bible is very clear that if we live a life of immorality in continual sin in this area, that we are on the highway to hell. There are, there's no excuse about that. There are constant scriptures over and over in the Bible talking about the adulterous person, the immoral person is on the pathway to hell. At the end of the service, I know a few weeks ago we had a moment in our service. where We had a team up here. That did such a fantastic job, and I believe a lot of people were blessed. And at the end of the service, we're going to create an opportunity. I want you to know that if you are struggling in this, and I think think all of us are struggling in this in some way, in some form, uh, I, I want you to know there's going to be people available that's going to pray for you, pray with you, stand with you, because can I say to you, my heart for you as your leader, as your pastor is to completely see you walk in freedom. Cool? I want to share three ways to describe the, the spirit of lust. Now, we've sort of understood how the spirit of lust operates, but I want to talk about three ways. Is that cool? The first word is desire. Desire. The word desire, the Greek word desire, for desire is epithymio. And the word desire is a good word <laughs> And a bad word. I want to show you an instance. Luke 22, verse 15. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus was saying, With fervent lust. How many of you know that wasn't evil desire? That was good desire. Okay. Here's another one. Galatians 5, 16, 17. It says, I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and there are, and these are contrary to one another, so you do not so you do not do the things that you wish. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that as individuals, we've got two desires: the desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh. And they're in constant battle towards each other. What am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is there is a godly desire that God has given you towards sex. There is a godly desire that God has given you you towards making love at the right individual at the right time at the right place so when I'm preaching this message I'm not saying you cannot have fun I'm not saying you cannot be doing this or you cannot be doing that I'm saying no there is a godly place for where he wants you to pour your desire but what the enemy has done is he's turned that around and destroyed it he's changed this thing called love and he's made it lust that's what I'm trying to say the second thing that I want to talk about when it comes to lust what lust does is deception I'm going to read a scripture, and what I'm going to read is a scripture to do with stealing. Uh, I think if you've been in church circles for quite some time, you might have heard uh, this passage of scripture. It's always associated with stealing, with someone stealing a piece of bread. But what you don't understand is the context is actually talking about lust. All right? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and and the law is a light. To keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. So what what is it? Talking about lust, isn't it? Do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Sometimes people tell me, Pastor, I'm not doing it with anybody. I'm just imagining. Do not lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. And an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Now check out verse 30. This is the verse we know. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substances of his house. See, when we read this, we think it's talking about robbery. But what Solomon is saying is the spirit of lust works in such a way that you're actually stealing. And all of a sudden, as he's talking about stealing, he talks about a thief that's hungry. Let's say a a 12-year-old child steals from a bakery. There's a huge possibility that you will take into context that he stole this piece of bread, and you'll be like, oh, his parents are not there. No one's taking care. Maybe slap on the wrist. Don't do it. You'll let him go. But what Solomon is saying is that when you get caught in the act of lust, you will not have the same mercy that the thief that steals the bread gets. What he's saying is you will probably lose your own home. Are you with me? There's another thing Solomon is saying that if you don't read between the lines, you wouldn't understand. It says, the guy that ate the bread ate to satisfy. Can I tell you something about the spirit of lust? It never satisfies. See, if you steal a a piece of toast, it'll actually satisfy you. You probably can go on for a few hours. But you know what the spirit of lust says? It wasn't that good. I met met a person one time who had an affair and then had a second affair and I said, why'd you do it? He said, this thing told me I didn't do it right the first time. It's amazing how the spirit of lust deceives us. The spirit of lust always wants to get, 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 get more, whereas the spirit of love wants to give, 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 give more. And the spirit of love satisfies the spirit of lust will never satisfy. And it'll always tell you one more time and you'll be satisfied. Here's the third one. Death. The spirit of lust leads to death. James chapter one, verse 14. It says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. Remember we explained the word desires as good desires, bad desires, bad desires being lust. His own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. Can I tell you, if you walk in the avenue, in the continuous habit of walking under the Spirit, it will lead you to death. Maybe it won't lead to physical death. God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, if you eat of that tree, you will die. They did not die, but they died spiritually. And can I say to you, if you keep walking in the Spirit, you will lose your spiritual passion for God. Instead of having a desire for the God thing, you start having a desire for something else. The same energy that you're having towards God, the same passion, the same drive, the same focus, none of that is going to... I want to ask you, how many marriages have died because of the Spirit? How many families have died because of the Spirit? How many homes have died? If you're a young person listening to me saying, I'm not married, can I say to you, you got to deal with this right now. You're not taking this into your marriage and letting that build another layer on your life. This message is for you. Don't just think I'm talking to a married individual. I'm talking to all of us. Let me tell you something else you've not thought about. How many businesses have died because of the Spirit? How many promotions and raises have you not received because of the Spirit? Because instead of having a mind that is full of godly things, that is creative, innovative, you are thinking about how you can get away with it. Are you with me? In a week one, we learned about this, that Satan is a thief. And he wants to steal your blessing. He wants to steal what God has for you. He wants to steal your creativity. And if you're in bondage to the Spirit, can I say it's affected your finances? If you're in bondage to the Spirit, it's affected your health. If you're in bondage to the Spirit, it's affected your joy. One of the greatest byproduct of the Spirit of Loss is depression. What do we have? A donut on the platform (laughs) let's look at this guy it's getting a bit too intense in this church this is beautiful I asked them to fill half of it but they fill all of it it looks really nice this is not my favorite it just stands out so I'm just going to take it one of the things that I struggle with not struggle with uh that I do is most times I skip breakfast and uh, you know, they call it intermediate fasting or whatever. I mean, sometimes I just don't have it. Or sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's both. And, and I plan my day in such a way and Leah starts telling me I'm cooking up a storm at home. And she starts sending me photos of pasta and salad, and sauces being prepared, special sauce, Middle Eastern herbs being put in there. Like, yes, yes, I'm coming home. But what, before you know, what happens is my well-planned day goes out of hand. My one-hour meeting becomes three hours. My two-hour meeting becomes four hours. And before I know, like, it's no more, it's, 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 it's way past dinner time. I've just sort of been in my space, and I've just been faithful all day. I'm not snacking. I'm not eating anything because I know Leah is cooking good pasta. She's cooking good dinner at home. And, and what, what happens is I get into my car, and all of a sudden I see that I'm low on fuel. And so I feel like it's on the way. So I go to the servo and I start tanking up. And as I'm on my way out, I I see something. Not magazines. I see donuts. And the donuts start talking to me saying, eat me. This one's pink, so she's female. Eat me. The chocolate would say, eat me, brother. And, and, and I'm just like, you know, I'm looking at it, and all of the guy that, at the service says, hey, we've got specials on, you know. And the donut, Dr. Donut is not preaching to me. I'm like, no, you're bad for me. And she's saying, no, I'm good. I know sugar is bad, but when you eat me, you get happy. Endorphins get released. You've been stressing out all day. Don't you want your wife to see you happy? All of a sudden, one donut becomes six donuts. It was supposed to be three, but halfway on the way home, I start getting guilty because Leah says, Alvin, you gotta watch yourself. So I might just eat it all before she finds out. And, And I go in and by now, dinner's become a bit cold but Leah's still waiting with expectation. She serves me dinner. I look at it and I'm just like, I wanna eat this, but there is no room there is no room for the dinner that my wife faithfully made for me because I just was so hungry that I put my cravings in another place and can I say can I speak to to the wives on behalf of the men this cheap plastic donut will never satisfy us like the dinner you make but we are scared to tell you about our donut addiction because we fear that you may think that your dinner isn't good enough. Your dinner, this never stands a chance to the dinner you make. But in our moment of weakness, we sometimes stuff ourselves with whatever is around. But this is what I want this morning to be. I want this morning to be a conversation about our donut addiction. I want this I want this morning to be a place where spouses relationally people can talk about their donut addiction and not be judged let me tell you women your man might be struggling with a donut addiction but he loves you he cares for you he beats himself for what some of the things he does, but he's scared to talk to you because he thinks that it'll affect your self-esteem, it'll affect your body image. But can I say to you, and can I speak to the men for a minute? I want to say to the men, if you eat donuts for too long, your palate will adapt and you will stop turning up for dinner. So at some point, we've got to meet in the middle and have some conversations. What I love about my wife, Leah, is that a while back, we had a conversation. And it was a conversation about donuts. It really wasn't about donuts, it was about the other thing. But my wife was able to hear me and listen to me and pray with me and lay hands on me. I'm sure it was a struggle for her to. Let me tell you, I I did not just drag the spirit of lust into my relationship, I dragged it into my marriage. But I'm here to tell you that if I have been set free, if God can set me free, God can set anybody free. Because he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Let me tell you, the world's strongest man, Samson, the world's most spiritual man, David, the world's wisest man, Solomon, all got attacked by the spirit of lust. If you say you are not under attack, you are weak, but I know you are strong. And because you are strong, this Spirit is attached to you because this Spirit knows your destiny. This Spirit knows the plans and the purposes that God has for you. And that's why this Spirit has an agenda. I want to read one more passage of Scripture. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lusts which war against the soul. Let me tell you, the Spirit of lust, what it does, it tarnishes not just your spirit but your soul your emotion, your character, who you are called to be. Paul, Peter is talking to the Christian church, he's talking to the pilgrims, and he says, I beg you, can I say to you this morning as your pastor, I beg you to get free. I beg of you to get free. I I plead with you. Don't allow pride to creep in this morning. Don't allow another day to come by. This is not for me. This is for you. If you're having a thought in your head, I hope they go. I hope she goes. I'm saying, no, you come. You come. You come. I'm pleading with you this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ. Come to Jesus. He will and He can set you.